0: I'm stuck in the chicken coop. <laughs> oh, man.
1: <laughs> entertaining for you. This is
0: fantastic. Uh-huh.
1: There's a latch there so that it doesn't lock on me.
0: Hey, this is Jared.
1: Hey, friends. This is Annette. And this is our <laughs> Azure Farm podcast where we're going to talk about all things farm, family, home, and all things in between. We hope you enjoy it recording yay we've been a little slow this week huh oh man
0: we are raring to go today
1: ready to go i think um i was just so tired the last few we're trying to get the princess to sleep on somewhat of a schedule and i don't really know if it ends up being a schedule i think i'm just more tired but i think it's working (laughs) I don't know. It's working. She's she's sleeping. She's trying. She's She's trying to. She's trying to sleep right now. I'm watching her on the monitor, and she's squirming. So let's get this podcast recorded before the meltdown um, happens. Oh wow! Yeah, I had to. You were out of town for like a day or so, and I had to clean a rat. I had to take a rat out of the chicken coop.
0: Oh, you had to take one rat out of the chicken coop.
1: Yeah, it was so gross. Oh, that's flies, and like there was like liquid. I don't even want to go into more detail.
0: <laughs> okay. Now the real story. Then she says, Hey, let's rechange uh, let's change around how the chicken coop is laid out. Cut the box down. We don't need like eight. We only need like four or five, what is it? Six, boxes. Yeah, I laying don't even boxes. know what's and left. Yeah. So I'm sawzawing away this box and moving it around and I'm like, Well, there's a lot of hay in the corner. I need to get rid of that. Oh, And I see this huge rat. Oh my word.
1: I would have just.
0: And then I proceed to do a spring cleaning of the whole chicken house where I don't even know how we missed this. I think it was behind the whole thing.
1: I think it was behind and there was some vinyl. And so they were like cozy all up in the corner. I don't even know. 25 rats. Don't know. Start running out. No, don't. That's awful.
0: It was so (laughs) gross. I felt so dirty. We should cancel this podcast and everything we do because. That was an embarrassment to society. I know. Society. I feel
1: like, so let me tell you guys, it's real life over here. I know it looks pretty in some pictures, but stuff is dirty. It's a hot mess. That chicken coop, I don't even know. I don't know what's happened. I guess Ava happened.
0: Yeah, we got it. We got it now. It's going to be hot <laughs> and clean and fancy. So I
1: had to clean up a rat this week. That was awesome. Thank one. you. Thank you for that.
0: 25 to 1. Let's begin. Well,
1: you, <laughs> anyways, well, I've gotten more questions. I've asked, um, I asked you guys more questions about what you want us to talk about. A lot of people have asked what we've done. Before we moved out here or what we still do for work and all those different things. So I thought maybe we can talk a little bit about um, business stuff. Does that sound? Yeah. Sounds kind of random. Mm-hmm. But I think we've got some thoughts. We've done a couple things. I don't know. I'm sure Jared has a a, a lot more uh, things to talk about than I do. But you probably have a fun story to start it off.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: oh, yeah. When you were younger.
0: You know the. You know that song, It's uh, the lyrics go, every day I'm hustling, hustling. So that's quite a funny song. And (laughs) I am such a believer, especially now having a beautiful little girl, that she needs to be an entrepreneur no matter what she wants to do in life. She needs to do something she's passionate about so that she can learn all the skills of business. And I feel like my parents gave me that opportunity so they didn't go to college Mm-hmm. they just learned to hustle so like yeah. my dad when we were little kids well I think I don't know if my sister was come along yet but I mean he would go cut down trees just to make some money to feed the family yeah and they did whatever it took so that's the house I grew up in so from a little little bitty age I was like how do you buy stuff I want <laughs> how do you I, think make I wanted money? some some toy or some baseball cards or something And they were like well you have to have money. I'm like, well, how do you get money? <laughs> so they began to teach me this this art of making money and what it's like. So the first time I got into it, I was at the end of our driveway selling all my toys, and my mom comes <laughs> freaking out because <laughs> I just sold some of the family uh, toys that Airlines. she thought I should be playing with. Um, and that was uh, that was fun. But okay, the story I'll tell you. So
1: oh well, that's the opposite. Hold on, I just thought of something. That's the opposite of what happened to my toys. Because my toys, I got put in, I was in trouble. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I thought about it. I got in trouble and they put my toys in trash bags in the garage to put them away for a week while I was in like, quote unquote, grounded or timeout. And then my dad didn't realize that those were the toy trash bags and he threw them away. Whoops. Yep, so that was traumatizing. Anyways, going on, don't do that.
0: (laughs) Don't do that. Okay, so I always had this thing of, if you want the next thing, you got to sell the last thing. So I was kind of always doing that. Well, it's the summer of 1996 in Hotlanta. The Olympics <laughs> are coming. I've just graduated eighth grade, and I'm about to go to high school. And a couple friends of mine and I, we are downtown. My dad has hatched this plan to rent like a tire. It was a rim store downtown atlanta this time this part of town we were in was maybe a little less uh kosher than it is now but my dad was friends with everyone and he'd made this deal at like the retail area of the rim shop because hey it's the olympics a lot of roads are shut down nobody's really buying rims at this time
1: (laughs) not the priority
0: (laughs) so our plan was to sell waters and different paraphernalia and we had done this kind of throughout like my a life. Tourist,
1: stop, stop. Yeah.
0: Well, my dad and I would often go to the Republican convention and we would chummy it up with the Republicans and sell <laughs> stuff and pay for our trip and have a good time. We'd go to the Democratic convention, we'd sell stuff, have a good time.
1: So yeah, friends we're, with all. <laughs> we're, we're,
0: we're, Annette and I are a little apolitical. We've got uh, allegiances in both camps uh, for some ideas that both have good values so on. So,
1: on another to topic, on yeah, another that's a topic. podcast But anyway, topic. so we
0: always had fun at these conventions. So this was our goal at the Olympics: let's have fun, let's make some money. But we're like day one into the Olympics, and these people everywhere. It's hot. If You ever been to Atlanta? So hot it's like in Atlanta. a swimming pool outside. Just walk around. And we're down in this square trying to like hawk our little bitty chump stuff. And it's like, I'm thirty what am I, like 14 years yeah. old? And this is not going well. So a friend of mine, Josh, he gets caught up in the conversation with some guy who says he's he's a some type of member of Parker Brothers, the board game company. <laughs> he says, Hey, you want to make some real money? He saw all us, us young teenagers ambitious. He said, Why don't you sell some of these Olympic edition Monopoly games that we have produced? We've got a ton of them and we're trying to figure out how to sell them. Well, my friend thinks it's a joke, but he's like, Yeah. So the guy shows him one. He's like, Try and sell it. Sell it for whatever you want. Uh, you just need to pay there me was, 10 bucks.
1: There was no money. There was no whatever you want. I mean, it
0: was really good. Was, he was running to test it out. Oh. Like we were in the middle of, I think, where Hard Rock is downtown now. This yeah. Big square. It's a big area. Tons of people. And so my buddy Josh turns around. Olympic edition Monopoly game. Somebody runs up to him. How much? And he's like, fifty bucks. <laughs> oh no. And and they give him 50 bucks.
1: He's no. Like,
0: oh my word. He goes back to the guy. He gets our attention. And we're in. Well, we go back and talk to my dad, and he's like, Well, I'm in. If you're in, I'm in. Well, he becomes like our dealer, our driver <laughs> oh, my dealer. Word. So he's going around picking up stuff at this warehouse. And loading them up into this van, and he would meet us at different parts of the city. We would carry these massive bags around our necks. We're on rollerblades. It's not
1: the easiest thing to sell either. It's huge.
0: Oh yeah, they're big. And we are we load like 20 games up at a time. That's as many as our little frames can carry. <laughs> and we're hauling it around Atlanta, roller skating, skating around everywhere. And we are making money hand over fist. And I look back and I'm like that was one of the coolest times of my life but it also ruined me Yeah. because like oh my word money grows on trees (laughs) so we're just hawking these things all over the place skating here, skating there if it was the dream team playing over at the dome or wherever they played at that time, maybe it was the Omni we would go and we would hawk these games and then it'd be the swimming event across town we'd rollerblade over there and everybody would be there and along the way you know You're 14 with a wad of cash in your pocket, and somebody's like, hey. It sounds
1: real safe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You want to see the basketball game tonight? I got front row tickets. They're 400 bucks each. And you're like, I got cash right here. Oh, my word. So we're going to all these games and all these events, and we are having a blast.
1: Did you save any of it?
0: Well, I saved up all of mine. And walked right into the golf shop. Oh no. And blew, I think, $4,000 on a set of custom golf clubs that were so sweet. And I don't know why I ever got rid of them. But that's not the best <laughs> part of the story. My other buddy, Jeff. Jeff is a fellow entrepreneur and a hustler indeed. And we are selling without a permit. <laughs> well, Jeff somehow gets arrested he did? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember this part because he, he was gets, a little older he was a couple years older but he gets arrested and he gets taken into the precinct or whatever and they're like wanting to just crack down on Jeff and I remember Jeff I think the story goes he said like oh man I'm going to be in so much trouble I'm not even 18 yet <laughs> and they're like you're not 18? he's like no And they're like, man, get out of here!
1: We had to let him go. Oh yeah, I guess. But
0: basically, don't do this anymore. Well, whether he did or didn't, that's a different story. But the (laughs) point of it all is, I learned so many skills of negotiating and uh, business. And we had to pay this guy a certain amount per game, and it was really up to us what we wanted to do. So sometimes we'd give people two games for thirty bucks. Other times, when we knew the sale was you know, they were easily going to buy as many as we could. Maybe we'd give them a bulk discount. So what a lesson I learned. And, you know, those Olympics were crazy. We were down there. um, You know, it's the like bombing went off. We oh, were like yeah. 2,000 feet from where the bomb went off at the park. Uh, we were sleeping one night. And uh, I think the gentlemen of the shop we were renting weren't very big fans of someone's lifestyle, and they knew it, and they came by one night with a gun and started shooting up the glass. And we're sleeping in the floor of this shop.
1: Huh. This is this just sounds like a very <laughs> safe environment. No, no, check child. this out.
0: Yeah, I'm 14 years old. Aww. And we like, oh my word, what just happened? Like it's the loudest noises. These guys come upstairs, and out of every nook and cranny you can find are weapons. <laughs> And they grab these guns. Just
1: so everyone knows, I have never heard this part of the story. This is um quite uh unnerving.
0: Yeah. And they they start chasing them. And man, you just
1: So you're I, saying you're gonna make Ava go through all that to learn is, life yeah, lessons early no, on?
0: I just you gotta you gotta get your feet wet in life. <laughs> and man, I did in that. That was like my early MBA uh Never went on to get an MBA, but I feel like I got a lot of skills there. (laughs) So so.
1: I met Jared in college, and you just heard this story. There's a million stories about his family being entrepreneurial and having successful businesses and doing all these different things. And they started many things from the ground up, um, coming from nothing, really, and started many things from the ground up. So my family comes from Cuba. Both of my parents are from Cuba. I don't know of a lot of people know that i'm spanish but i am spanish hablo espanol um so my parents coming from cuba communist country were always more on the safe side so they taught me great things about um just really good work ethic and you know education and um oh i don't know just keeping track of finances and but very safe like don't take risks don't um do anything you know too crazy and so i meet jared And his family, I feel, is all over the place. I mean, they got ideas here. And let's do this business. And let's do that. And I'm like, oh my word, this is overwhelming. I can't handle it. Basically, every time we'd go to dinner or something, they would be talking about an idea and what they were doing next. And I was like, this is just a lot to handle. But either way, um, I went to nursing school. I graduated as a nurse. Um, I actually still work as a nurse uh, and have loved it. But as I met Jared and kind of got exposed to this um, other world, (laughs) the worlds of ideas, I was like, man, maybe I want to do a business. What do I want to do? And Jared would always be encouraging, like, you should do something. You should do something. So when we got married or went to get married and got engaged, I started looking for wedding dresses. You know, all girls want to look for wedding dresses right away. And I just could not find something I liked. So I was like, hmm, what if I designed my own wedding dress? Because I will say my dad is very artistic and has always been a good drawer. Is that?
0: That's how we say it down here. Is that how you say it? Drawer? Uh
1: Uh-huh. I don't know that. that doesn't sound right. We're going
0: to let you say that.
1: No, really. What is it? Artist? Oh. draw. Okay.
0: But you are in Georgia, so you might get away with that. No,
1: no. Georgia, we're we're good here. Okay. Mm, anyways, my dad is, a, is an artist. <laughs> that sounds weird. Anyways, he always would like to draw. And as since a little kid, I would like to draw, and I would draw dresses and all this stuff. What little girl doesn't like, you know, dresses and frilly things? So I decided I was going to design my own wedding dress. So I, you know, drew it out, but then I don't have a clue about sewing. I don't know how to sew. Personally, I took a class in high school my junior year, and I'm pretty sure I made some pajama pants and a pillowcase, and that was about it. So a Go wedding on, dress, too bad, so. yeah, I know, right? I yeah, I should try some pajama pants again. I'm pretty sure they were leopard print too. Wow. yeah, isn't that nice? Yeah, and quite baggy. Anyways, I'm
0: sure they were not round
1: <laughs> They were not. They were the opposite of round. Yeah, they were like a one size fits all. Yeah. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) anyways, um, so I decided to take cue from, uh, the entrepreneurial spirit. And I was like, well, I'm just going to have to find someone to make my wedding dress. So I started, I went on Craigslist, you know, where all people go to find everything. And I actually found a few seamstresses and I found one that actually owned a bridal shop that could make my wedding dress. And so she made my wedding dress, based on the sketch I did and all these things. And so after we got married, I was like, ooh, maybe I can do this as a business. So there it starts, the itch to do something else. And you know what I think? Here's what I think. A lot of times in life, I don't think we give enough credit to the fact that we can like different things. At one time, like, I think people emphasize the fact that, oh, you have a job, you have a career, that's the only thing you should do, or that's the safe thing to do. Well, sometimes you can do other stuff too. It doesn't mean that you don't like what you're doing as a career. I just think we've got, I think we we were created with multiple um, ambitions and desires. And as you grow and change, those things can adapt with you, you know? Mm -hmm. So... Anyways, the creative side of my brain decided it was going to do the wedding dress business. So I found the seamstresses on good old Craigslist, and I decided I'm going to launch a collection. And I didn't. Know what that meant, but I knew what it meant in my mind, and I thought I'm gonna do it. So I drew up some designs. I started contacting different um, fabric manufacturers in New York and overseas to get wholesale fabric and figure out, you know, the whole pricing and wholesale retail, and what do you do? And what do you know? One girl accepted to let me make her wedding dress. Bless her. (laughs) It was actually a very stressful thing. Because, you know, wedding dress is like a big deal. I mean, you know, most people, when they go to a wedding, they don't really care what the flowers look like, what the food was, but they'll remember what the bride looked like. So why not take on the most stressful career you could ever take on as my first entrepreneurial business venture?
0: Working with Bridezilla.
1: I mean, really, though. I was. It's hard. It was like, what? So, you know, being a nurse, I work in the hospital, and... I work in ICU and I come across some very stressful scenarios where people are, you know, dying, and that does not stress me out. Like I'm in my comfort zone. I am fine. I will delegate. I can manage. I can tell people what to do. But man, when it comes to a bride saying, "I don't like how my dress fits," oh, that's stressful. (laughs) That is so stressful. But despite all of that, I started this wedding gown business called um, Shaviano Couture. So my maiden name is Chaviano. It's supposed to be kind of Italian, like Cabiano, Cabiano, But no one's ever going to say it that way, nor do we say it that way. That sounds way too fancy. So it's (laughs) Chaviano, Chaviano Couture. And yeah, I started that in 2008. Was it
0: 2008?
1: Maybe. Maybe. I don't remember. Anywho. And on the side of doing wedding dresses, I would do wedding, I would do, excuse me, on the side of working at the hospital three days a week on my days off, I would work on my business. And I will say that was a very fun time. Yeah. It's just crazy to think that I did wedding dresses because, I don't know, now it just seems like, oh, it's just crazy. Anywho, but I got to do a lot of really fun things with that business. And I um
0: you got into some magazines? Yeah. And that went to Fashion oh, Week. Rambo, her, Rambo.
1: I got Rambo here scratching on the couch.
0: Had her dresses featured at New York Fashion Week a couple times and she did it right.
1: I know, it's crazy. All of a sudden. But I will say, doing all those things and it took off and was more successful than I thought. But then there came a point that I said to myself, I don't think I like this anymore. And I'm not even really sure why. I did it for about eight years. I actually made my last dress last year. Um, I think it's the whole thing with you grow and you evolve and you change. And, yep, last year I decided, you know what? I think we're good because my passion has turned into... um, the animals (laughs) and the farm and living here. And wow, it's just crazy how, um, I don't know, how you can change and how all of a sudden it's okay to do something different. You've had that.
0: Oh, I I have that all the time. And I think that's the guilt of when you start something. If you're doing it as a side gig, which I think everybody should have a side gig, you need to treat it as something that's fun. If it becomes stressful Well, then it better be your job because your full time thing (laughs) is allowed to have some stress. But if it's your side gig, you need to have it, it needs to be fun. And you need to feel at liberty at any time to say, this is no longer fun. I'm moving on to the next thing. And
1: it's hard to do that, I will say. And so for most of you guys, if you guys have a current, let's say, nine to five job and you're just itching to do something else, Just do it. Like, start somewhere. I will say you don't have to start big. There's easy ways to just start something small and do it. But once it is no longer your passion and it just becomes a stressor, then it's okay to not do it. And that was hard for me with the wedding dress business. I didn't know how to tell, like, stores or magazines or people, like, hey, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing another collection or I'm not launching a new thing. I mean, that the fashion industry is a very fast-paced industry. And if you're not cranking out new stuff 24-7, then, you know, you're old news. And that was something that I felt pressured by too. Like, oh, I've got to keep up with the Joneses, <laughs> per se, in the, in the wedding industry. So that is something too. And I think the older I've gotten, the more confident I've become in that. You don't need to... Keep up with everyone else. You don't need to do what everyone else is doing. And I think we were all created so unique and with our own quirks and individual qualities that when you do something on the side, or if you do a side business or something, make it personalized to you. And then nobody can copy that. You know, we're all unique. So nobody is you.
0: That's right. And I think for us, we. As entrepreneurial as we are, and I literally cannot turn that part of my brain off, <laughs> our desire to get some land and get some animals and grow some food wasn't at all motivated by business. No. And trust me, I could tell you if it was or not. But w- w- the the real reason, I'll come back to the but, the real reason we did this was we felt like we were losing touch with humanity. Yeah. Like, you can start to just say, what's my next thing I'm going to buy? And then I think in the world today, it's how am I going to beat out the machine that's trying to take my job with artificial intelligence? So there's some things we have to diligently do to remain human. Caring for animals, growing plants, doing things where we have our actual hands on learning, uh, for us was a huge thing. Now, though, there's things like, oh, wow, we really love this. And sometimes, and I say sometimes, your hobby can become something you really want to see grow. Oh, for sure. Um, I don't know. I don't know how that looks for us. You know, it's it's definitely difficult in the world today to just grow an acre full of organic carrots and make a living off of it. Right, or, and that's why
1: many people say, "What do you guys do now?" So we're, we're not living off the land. I don't want to give off that impression. Like we've moved here and we've now make money somehow. No, we both have our side jobs. <laughs> you know, I still work as a nurse. Jared does stuff.
0: Try and make money off ideas.
1: <laughs> no, Jared. Jared works with a great team of people and does a lot of things. So, but we both work um, while we're still trying to do this thing, which in a way might be even busier because we not only keep up our normal lives, but then we got to keep up all the farm and home stuff. So, it's it's a lot. But
0: but should I tell about a little secret?
1: What I don't know. All right, what he's So talking here's about. a
0: secret. This is a theory. I don't know if it has any merit, but I think there's something to it. In the world we live in today, food is way undervalued because now we grow it, it's fake, it looks like a tomato, but it doesn't really taste like a tomato. It looks like corn, but it's you know genetically engineered, whatever. So you can grow food that's cheap and with machines and GPS-led tractors, food is just too cheap because it's not really that healthy for us. So growing your food, there's it's a lot more valuable than the market, the grocery store would tell you. But I don't think... That is where the main opportunity is. Like, just hey, everybody, go get yourself ten acres, grow organic tomatoes.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Like, you're gonna work your tail off to make yeah uh, an okay living, uh, probably to get by. You, the benefit of that lifestyle is what would outweigh everything. But here's what I think is actually an opportunity. Some people have already figured this out: creating experiences. So if you're going to grow something or have animals on your property or whatever it may be, maybe you maybe you're in downtown New York City and you got some money you're trying to invest. Here's my opinion.
1: I don't know where he's going with this. I mean, I kind of know, but
0: I think there is a huge market for creating experiences for people, getting their hands Dirty again, so going back
1: uh, to the basics.
0: Going back to the basics. Here's an example. Think about how much if you've ever done one of the tough mudder races. <laughs> you don't I even hesitate.
1: Someone just message me about that.
0: Yeah, you don't even hesitate to drop like what fifty, seventy five, hundred bucks. You go out into some buddy's farm who's flooded it and it's a big mud pit. You have a blast. You take some pictures and you're like, oh, that was amazing. I feel alive. I don't.
1: I wouldn't say I felt amazing, but okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. So. You know, it may be you grow flowers like nobody's business and you could go sell those flowers at a little farmer's market and you might make a little money, but I bet if you offered classes to people about how you, you know, on site, how you grow those flowers or whatever it may be, it's adding the experience to something.
1: But that's where you add your personal touch.
0: Absolutely. That's
1: where you have your own personality and your own thing that makes it different from the person next door's trying to do the same thing.
0: Let me give you an example. I just read a story in Time Magazine about a farm, uh, I think it was like 100 miles north of Los Angeles. Like the the ground had almost been ruined, overcropped, overfarmed. And these people decided, we're just going to bring life back into it. A lot of the things we're advocating here Renourishing the soil, bringing animals mm-hmm. back around, all these different things. And they're letting like the ducks roam around the orchards because they eat certain bugs that mm-hmm. allow the trees to grow better and, you know, all these different things. Like they sell their eggs for $15 a dozen. Yeah. Well, and
1: worth it though for those kind They of
0: said eggs. because of all these different things we're doing and this is a different experience. I just think that's. That is awesome. There's so many benefits, let alone the monetary opportunities for out of the box ideas like that. Mm-hmm. But you see these health spas in the world that are booming. Anyway, I'm letting you into so, what I'm trying to hatch.
1: Dear, so yeah. So bottom line, at some point, we'd love to do some sort of uh, classes and things here, maybe for you guys to learn. But the the goal no, of that us wasn't, that wasn't my. No, I know it wasn't. We but may I I want to do that. I think I do want to do that. though. That's yeah, sure, what I'm but saying.
0: I'm saying everybody else should too. No, I agree everyone should be doing this. Everybody's all spread out. There are a million people who want to experience something to the one who may have the opportunity to provide it.
1: Oh, for sure. Hmm. I was just trying to think that there's just so, there's just so much opportunity. And I think, so we did, we did not move out into the country to make it our Livelihood, I guess the the purpose of us moving out here was stay alive for our (laughs) yeah was for our maybe it was self it for our benefit like mentally and physically and spiritually we felt that was the important thing and then now that we're out here we see there is opportunity in in other things but I just think the bottom line is if if you feel like you are called to do something on that's different from what you currently do. Don't be afraid to try. Um, start small, just with any of our business ventures. And I don't want to make it sound like oh, we've done all these business ventures and been successful. We've had a lot of stuff that have has not been successful oh, for a I while. Got, I, I got drove. Uh, out. I drove a. What did I drive? Oh my word! A very old vehicle with no air conditioning for the longest time because we bought it for like what six hundred dollars because we didn't have money for me to have a different car and you drove another beat up car. I just there's I don't want to make it sound like we've we've had some some rough patches. We've,
0: we've made some blunders.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've had some rough patches, but I would say that we never felt like that because we enjoyed what we were doing and we were having so much fun trying different things. So I think that's the, the bottom line. You have to enjoy what you're doing, try something different, and don't be afraid to venture out. So, if any of you have a business Idea or something that you've thought about doing, let me know because I want to hear about it and I'll give you my suggestions for whatever that's worth. Probably not a lot, but we have lots of fun with uh, ideas around here.
0: Let us know what you're doing.
1: Let us know what you're so doing. So we can
0: come visit. So and we can help or, or learn from what you're doing.
1: I agree. And hopefully, what you're doing this week is not um, scooping rats out of the chicken, <laughs> chicken coop. So until next time, bye bye.